0: Welcome, you are listening to Liberty Solutions Now. On this show, we'll address the topics of natural law, consciousness, mind control, the cult, and everything else that is related to freedom on earth. Liberty Solutions Now will take a look at what is truly going on around us and within us in order to offer powerful, grassroots solutions to the biggest problems we are experiencing. Now here is your host, Justin Dahman. Alright, welcome to the show. My name is Justin Bauman. This is episode 5 of Liberty Solutions Now. My website is libertysolutionsnow.com. Today is Monday, April 4th, 2022. In the last episode, we talked about police brutality during the Canadian Freedom Trucker Convoy. We also explored deeply what the order follower dynamic is within the police and military institutions. I want to take the opportunity right now to make clear that the order following dynamic doesn't just take place in government and within military and police institutions. It takes place anywhere someone blindly follows orders without exercising conscience. It takes place when someone doesn't first determine the objective difference between right and wrong to guide their actions, and instead does whatever someone else tells them to do. A lot of this tends to happen in hierarchical organizations whose structure is shaped like a pyramid. For example, regular employees answer to middle management, and middle management answers to the CEO at the very top of the pyramid structure. This is what a hierarchical organization looks like. Order followers exist in all industries. The order following dynamic exists in technology, education, finance, agriculture, etc. And when a moral issue is presented and a person behaves in an immoral way in the name of following orders, then that is wrong. Just like when the police and military do it, regardless of how much more physical harm the military and police are doing. Let's take those working at big technology companies as an example. When employees working for Google or Facebook follow orders from their superiors and censor certain posts or channels just because they were told to, these people are violating others' rights. These actions are immoral and are totally disgusting, just like what the order following police did in Ottawa, Canada. The same thing goes for the public school teacher that's just following orders, teaching white kids in their classroom that they're evil oppressors that must be punished, and teaching the black kids that they're victims of them. There's no excuse to be doing this. Yeah, you might actually lose your job if you refuse to teach this. That's okay. Go do something else. Under no circumstances do you have the right to poison children's minds no matter what sort of justification or excuses you come up with. Agreeing to do something like that is what a bad person does, not a good person. Moving on, we addressed what the mindset and the psychology of the police are that engage in order following. Best case scenario, they're totally clueless and ignorant to the harm they're causing. That didn't appear to be the case at all in Canada though. Worst case scenario is that harm is being done intentionally because they're not taking responsibility for their own self-loathing or hatred and instead are projecting and displacing their anger onto other innocent people. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these order followers had small dicks. That's not a joke. Maybe so many of them have such small dicks or have had their girlfriends cheat on them and they are so insecure that they don't want to confront their own emotions and now conduct violence against other people to cope with it. That's the psychology. It always boils down once again to fear and ignorance. Then we talked about the hypocrisy of those that support order followers within their own family or friend groups. These people openly admit that it's okay for their friend or family member to engage in order following and violate other people's rights in the process as long as they benefit from it in some way. These same supporters of order followers will then on the flip side get angry when the same order followers are violating their rights. You can't have it both ways and be morally consistent. Even if someone you know in the police or military hasn't appeared to have done anything wrong, they actually have just through the very act of taking the job in the first place. When they took the job, the understanding was that they would follow orders to keep the job. They took the job as an order follower. Agreeing alone to take the job as an order follower is an immoral act. It's actually an evil act. The word evil is live spelled backwards. Once again, the meaning of the word is hidden within the language itself. In this case, it's through the spelling. Evil is living backwards in some way. Agreeing to take a job as an order follower, instead of agreeing to do the job as long as it's in alignment with objective moral law, is an example of living backwards. Therefore, it is evil. At some point, I'll do an entire episode on why and how meanings of words are hidden within the construction of language itself. Another reason why taking a job within government is immoral is because you're agreeing to get paid with stolen money. Innocent people have been murdered, thrown in jail, and have been robbed at gunpoint in order to deliver you your paycheck. I don't care what job you have within the government. A truly moral person, upon learning this, would withdraw their support 100% from an organization that does this without hesitation. I can already hear the endless justifications as to why it has to be this way and that government has a free pass to murder, imprison, and rob innocent people. That's all I ever hear from those that support government. Through their justifications, they're trying to make just what is inherently unjust in nature, something that is inherently unjust in reality. They're all just justifications made out of fear and ignorance. Imagine for a minute this scenario. Imagine working within a family business of some sort. Let's say you're an accountant. Then one day a family member comes to you bragging about the amount of money he stole by robbing an elderly couple that did nothing wrong at gunpoint to maintain the financial integrity of the family business. Now imagine he knocked out some random person on the street that refused to give him his money, tied him up, put him in his car, drove him to your house, and is now keeping him imprisoned in the basement until his family members pay up. Let's say everyone else in the business was okay with this. How would you feel now about working for this family business? What if you found out the entire business's financial foundation was based upon this family member acquiring money through armed robbery? How would you feel then? What if he told you now that he planned to kidnap more people that wouldn't pay and keep them in the basement and let them beat up and sexually assault each other for extended periods of time? Would you continue supporting a business through your labor in any way at all that was perpetrating such heinous acts? A truly moral person wouldn't. They'd be livid and rebuke their criminal family members engaging in these acts and supporting them. A truly moral person would say, fuck you. You're going to return all the money, let those people go, apologize, and pay them damages, or a group of friends and I will make you do it. If you don't knock this shit off in the future, then I'm quitting the business and I'll never talk to any of you ever again. That's what the correct moral thing to do in this situation would be. People would be outraged if people in their family were behaving like this. But this is exactly what government institutions do. Where's the outrage there? People will then say, well, the government has to rob, kill, and imprison the public to keep us safe. Which is a crock of shit. But we'll have to go deeper into that another time. Next in the previous episode, we took a deep dive into morality and how it is objective, but there are a lot of deceivers out there that have a vested interest in getting you to think morality is subjective. They do this because they know if humanity fails to recognize objective morality and thereby violates natural law in the aggregate, then they will be able to maintain and expand their power differential over you. Those positioned correctly in the current power structure will then be able to exert more control, and the rest of humanity will fall into deeper levels of external slavery. Lastly, we talked about what the real constitution and government actually is. The real government being a mind-controlled state of existence that leads to all sorts of negative symptoms that can be seen in the external world, which include the violent and coercive police and military institutions we have now. Government is not the White House, or the Congress buildings, or the Pentagon or any of the people in those buildings claiming to have a certain role, like president, congressman, police officer, etc. These institutions are just one of the thousands if not millions of ways that government, which in ancient Latin breaks down as meaning mind control, can manifest. Government is the non-physical mind control that's taking place in people's minds on the mental plane, which is the plane of causality. Everything you see in the external world is in the plane of effects. Nothing can be changed on the plane of effects. If you want to see change on the plane of effects, the world outside of you, you have to address the invisible plane of causality first to do that. So only once you start breaking out of mind control can you change what is experienced in the outer physical world. There's no other way to do it. There's gonna be a series of episodes dedicated to just mind control in the future. Just like how the real government is non-physical, so is the real constitution that creates and maintains freedom. The paper constitutions countries have, that authoritarians want you to believe give you your freedom, lies on the plane of effects. The real constitution, which involves personal transformation to become a more caring, engaged, knowledgeable, moral, and action oriented person, lies on the plane of causality. The power lies on the plane of cause, not the plane of effects. Since this is the case under natural law, the real constitution has the power, and the fake paper constitution has no real power. Why? For example, a person with the correct internal constitution will refuse to follow orders and cooperate with evil every single time. If enough people embody this constitution, authoritarians can't get anything done because no one will do what they say. That's the power of the real constitution that creates and maintains freedom under natural law, not man's fictitious law. Just like how there's a constitution required under natural law to create and maintain freedom, There's also another constitution that creates slavery under natural law. This constitution consists of being an apathetic, lazy, ignorant coward. So if you want slavery, embody this constitution. But if you want freedom, embody the former constitution. It's as simple as that. There's no such thing as getting something for nothing in nature. Freedom has requirements that must be met. Just like everything else in life, Freedom mandates that certain requirements be met to manifest. If the requirements are not met, then don't expect to be free. Through the indoctrination that takes place in the public schooling system, lots of people believe they don't have to do anything in order to create and maintain their freedom. You can't be an engineer without getting an education. You can't be a professional massage therapist without education and training. You can't do anything professionally at all without an education and training. You can't have a job unless you pass the job interview. All good things in life have requirements that need to be met in order for them to manifest. You can't have friends if you're antisocial and don't talk to people. The evidence is everywhere that certain conditions need to be satisfied in order to produce desired results. Yet despite all this evidence, so many people still think when it comes to creating and maintaining freedom in their own lives, it's different and they don't have to do anything at all. They think they can remain the same ignorant fearful person and still get freedom. Freedom isn't free. There's a personal cost to be paid. Everyone is responsible for their own freedom. The cost is knowledge and courage. There's no way the task can be outsourced to anyone else either, especially a centralized institution. This content is not reductionist. Some of you may think what I've been talking about and will be talking about is reductionism, but it's definitely not. You may think the explanations are too simple to be true, What you'll realize as you continue to listen to the show is that the biggest truths in life are elegant and simple. But first, before you can verify this for yourself, you have to take in a massive amount of information on a variety of different topics from a variety of different sources. Once you take in all that information, you then process it and draw conclusions. It's called the Trivium method, which is an ancient methodology used to discover and understand objective truth in reality. After you go through the Trivium process and only then can you see the big picture and deeply understand the elegant simple truths of the universe. There are no shortcuts if you really want to understand this well. Those peddling the idea that there are shortcuts are lying straight to your face. The types of people that say what I'm saying is reductionism simply don't have enough knowledge yet. They haven't looked into the occult or deep psychology at all and in this ignorant state think they can make an accurate judgement call right out the gate. This is a mistake. You don't know enough yet. You think you do, but you don't. A lot of these people are totally unread too on top of it. Those that are read, haven't read any of the right books or enough of the right books to grasp what's going on. So even these people aren't in a much better position than the unread individuals. That's what this work is all about. Its purpose is to put all the most important information in front of as many people as possible that'll listen so that we can finally abolish the system of slavery on this planet and create freedom instead. So many people now think the golden rule found within the Bible is childish, overly simplistic, and impractical. Others, particularly those in religious institutions, teach it, but then completely fail to live in alignment with it in their own lives. The golden rule, which is what natural moral karmic law is, is this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is the most common way the golden rule is expressed. I think it's more powerful if you express it in the negative sense though, which would be, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. Expressing it this way makes it much more clear what you should do and what you shouldn't be doing if you're wanting to live in alignment with natural law. No one wants to be stolen from, raped, murdered, defrauded, or cheated, so don't do these things. I like thinking about the golden rule too in terms of cause and effect. It can be expressed in terms of action and consequence by saying, what you do to others will be done to you. As a side note, if trauma isn't healed, like in the case of Elliot Roger in episode 3 of the show, then it can be expressed as, What has been done to you, you will do to others. This can be seen in people's attitudes when they think, Since I have suffered, I will cause suffering to others. These are all ways reality acts as a mirror. For those of you that think natural law is too simplistic and impractical in the real world, you don't know enough about the occult. Hidden laws of nature You don't know enough about ancient psychology, and you don't know enough about holistic health. You don't understand the laws of manifestation well enough. Even if you understand a few of these topics well, you need to understand other subjects just as well to see how all the pieces fit together to create the big picture. Like I said, the biggest truths are elegant and simple. As Alexander Pope said in his essay entitled An Essay on Criticism, A little learning is a dangerous thing. Drink deep or taste not the pyrian spring. There, shallow droughts intoxicate the brain, and drinking largely sobers us again. Drinking from the Pyrian spring is a metaphor for taking in knowledge. If you do not drink deeply and drink enough of it, or in other words, if you don't take in enough knowledge and acquire deep knowledge, you'll intoxicate the brain. This means you'll fail to draw the correct conclusions, live out of alignment with natural law, and create chaos and suffering in your life. On the other hand, if you do take in enough knowledge of self and the world around you, Then, you'll be sobered again. This means you'll actually draw the correct conclusions, choose to live in alignment with natural law, and as a result, enjoy order and peace in your life as a result. I want to talk about how to learn from this show. Another thing is that this show is not for tent pitchers who don't want to go all the way to the top of the mountain in pursuit of truth. This isn't for people that don't have a strong stomach or want to deny the truth or abandon the process of truth discovery at the first sign of discomfort. This show isn't for those that can't handle getting offended either, because that's definitely going to happen more and more as the show progresses. If you don't want to go all the way on the journey of truth discovery, then don't even bother continuing to listen to the show. I'd recommend you turn it off right now. Forget it entirely and live out the rest of your life with the level of knowledge you currently have. Getting value out of this podcast requires a very strong will and intention to know truth. You really need to want to know the truth, no matter what. You have to want it no matter how uncomfortable or emotional it makes you feel. You have to want it more than you want to be right or protect your ego. If you're not willing to go through the discomfort, even pain, on this journey, then you'll never make it and should shut the show off right now. I can't help you. You won't learn anything from me if this is how you're going to be. If you're willing to do whatever it takes to know the truth, then that's who this show is for. Those are the people in the audience I'm making this show for. You have to be willing to be confused as well as you progress through the show. It's okay to be confused, but it's not okay to stay permanently confused. Later shows will hopefully help to clear up a lot, if not all of the confusion. Don't just listen to each episode passively. This show requires active, careful listening to extract the most value out of it. You're wasting your time if you're not willing to carefully listen and critically think as you take in more information. If something doesn't make sense, write it down. Write down all your questions and see if they end up getting answered later on. You can also email me. I like getting feedback because it lets me know what I need to focus on and make more clear in the future. When you hear something that contradicts one of your beliefs, don't automatically reject it straight away. Just hold it in your mind and remain open to the idea. Instead of saying, this doesn't make sense, ask yourself, how might this make sense? Ask how might this be true? You don't have to accept or reject an idea as soon as you hear it. That's what most unconscious people do. Just consider it, and if it doesn't make sense now, Keep it in the back of your mind as you take in other information. A lot of times it's necessary to revisit the idea later once you have more information. Once this additional new information has been taken in, that's when it'll click. I've noticed this happen over and over again on my own truth discovery journey. You have to want to deeply understand what I'm talking about when all is said and done. You have to be willing to pay the price of time and attention too, in order to do it. Without this willingness, you'll get very little out of what I have to say. Let's talk about rights now. People love to talk about their constitutional rights and complain when they're being violated. The truth is they wouldn't know what a right was if it smacked them square in the face. If they embodied the correct constitution under natural law, then their rights would be protected. A coercive institution that calls itself government would have never come into existence in the first place if the correct constitution was embodied. They cry out for protection under their country's paper constitution, but where's their constitution? Rights don't come from a piece of paper. Within the Declaration of Independence, written for the United States at least, our rights are said to be self-evident and inherent. It reads, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The writers of the Declaration of Independence say these truths are self-evident. So to be clear, being created equal and having unalienable rights isn't a matter of opinion or preference. The writers of this document didn't just decide out of the blue that it's a good idea now to perceive people as having rights and being created equal. When they wrote this, it was a declaration of the recognition that this is true, no matter what anyone else may think about it. In writing that, they recognized this is the reality of the situation in nature, just like the law of gravity. People don't just merely believe in the law of gravity, their preferences or opinions of the law of gravity don't affect the existence of the law of gravity. People recognize the law of gravity as being a fact. That's the same thing that's happening here with the writers of the Declaration of Independence. They're recognizing the fact that all are created equal in the rights that they have. What this means is that no man, institution, or government ever gave you any of your rights. They literally can't do it anyway, in nature. They can't do it in point-of-fact reality. The rights are self-evident. They can only claim that they gave you your rights. In reality, our rights were given to us from nature itself. Our rights were given to us by God. The natural, cosmic laws of the universe gave us our rights. You know you were given rights due to the very fact that you exist here on earth, right here, right now, and were given a physical body that you have control over. The freedom of choice is inherent to the way you are naturally, and this right is self-evident upon examination. So why is this important? This is important to recognize because if we don't recognize what our rights actually are according to nature itself, and instead think we can arbitrarily decide what people's rights are at any given time, then we end up violating other people's rights in ignorance and fear. When this happens, deeper levels of slavery and chaos manifest in the world, which is the opposite of what we say we want for ourselves. On the flip side, when we recognize and honor the natural rights of others, and are willing to defend our own rights, freedom and order manifest in the world. Why? It's because trying to arbitrarily decide what other people's rights are, in opposition to natural law, is based in moral relativism. Which claims we get to decide the difference between right and wrong, dependent upon how we feel at any given moment. This moral relativism is based in fear at its core. Operating from fear consciousness gives you chaos and slavery. We have the choice to believe we can decide what is right and wrong, but that would only be a belief. It's not true, in reality. And since it's not true in reality, and we fail to recognize it, and live in alignment with the truth, we experience negative consequences as a result. Negative consequences means we experience suffering. Here, we're starting to tie together the teachings of the previous four episodes. And yes, morality is objective, not subjective. Those who think it is subjective cling to moral relativism because they're fearful purely selfish, and want to be able to justify their deeds through the belief in moral relativism. The other reason is because they fell for a false strawman description of what objective morality is. In addition, their perception of what negative karmic consequences include is severely limited. It doesn't just mean something bad physically happens to the supposed evildoer right after he does something wrong. There are other types of consequences in play here. Negative consequences could be mental, or emotional in some way, or even spiritual. An action is considered wrong when it causes harm to another being. It's really that simple. When you cause harm to another being, you are violating the rights of that being. This is what is considered to be morally wrong under natural law. It's not all this petty arbitrary bullshit taught within modern day religious institutions. That doesn't make any sense. The teachings of what is moral and immoral has been hijacked by those that have been in power throughout history and has been distorted and misrepresented in order for these individuals to maintain and expand their power. I'd like to include a quote here from Max Heindel, who was a Christian occultist from the 20th century. This is what he has to say about natural law. We live in a world governed by the laws of nature. Under these laws, we must live and work, and we are powerless to change them. If we know them, and intelligently cooperate with them, these natural forces become most valuable servants. If, on the other hand, we do not understand them, and in our ignorance worked contrary to them, they become the most dangerous enemies, capable of terrible destruction. Therefore, the more we know of the working methods of nature, which latter is but the visible symbol of the invisible God, the better able we shall be to take advantage of the opportunities it offers for growth and power, for emancipation from bondage, and for elevation to mastery. This is exactly what I've been talking about. Being ignorant of natural law principles and opposing them out of fear can create nothing but bondage and slavery. However, becoming knowledgeable recognizing them and aligning with them creates order and freedom here's another quote by thomas jefferson that supports this if a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization it expects what never was and never will be the two pillars of freedom humanity manifests chaotic conditions when we fail to adhere to the non-aggression principle and the self-defense principle inherent within natural law The non-aggression principle and the self-defense principle make up the two pillars of freedom. Freedom in the external world cannot stand without both of these pillars. Both are needed to create and maintain freedom. Having only one of the two pillars is not sufficient and will not create and maintain freedom. Without understanding and adhering to the non-aggression principle, people end up conducting violence and violate other people's rights for their own selfish gain. As this continues to go on, those with the most knowledge, And that act the most boldly rise to the top of the established hierarchy and power becomes increasingly more centralized. What I mean by centralized is that over time fewer and fewer people end up acquiring more and more power at everyone else's expense. Those at the top that have the most knowledge of the occult and other types of knowledge end up using those acting selfishly below them in the hierarchy as tools for their larger agenda. They're considered to be useful idiots by those at the top. Obviously, this is not a good situation, but it's the situation we find ourselves in right now. Now, without understanding and adhering to the self-defense principle means the most ruthless psychopathic power seekers walk all over everyone else and take whatever they want. If normal people don't understand that they have the right to protect their natural law rights using physical force if necessary in an act of self-defense, then they won't own firearms or other weapons. The result of this is that now only the psychopaths and their useful idiots have all the weapons. It's not difficult to imagine what happens after that. Genocide is what happens. History has documented that scenario very well in a variety of different countries around the world. To get an idea of what happens when government has all the guns and the general population is unarmed, watch the documentary Innocence Betrayed on YouTube. I'll be sure to leave a link to the video in the show notes. When a population is armed and trained in how to use their guns, government is much more reluctant to take things as far as they want to take them. You cannot understand the non-aggression and self-defense principle until you understand the difference between force and violence. The meaning of violence is misunderstood by nearly everyone and controllers want it this way because it makes it more difficult for people to understand what actually is creating chaos and slavery in the world. Force is a voluntary action based on morality and natural law. They're actions which one possesses the right to take. Using force does not violate another's natural law rights. This means as long as an action isn't wrongfully causing harm to anyone else, then it is permissible under natural law. Violence is the initiation of coercive action which is not based in morality in natural law. They are actions which one does not possess the right to take. Every time without exception, using violence always involves the violation of another's natural law rights. To be clear, you're still using force, even if it results in an aggressor being injured or killed, when they tried to violate your rights. When an aggressor decides to conduct violence against someone else, they waive their natural law right to not be harmed. Therefore, the person acting in self-defense is completely morally justified under natural law. Alright, let's talk about the definitions of words for a second. Most people have never heard these definitions for force and violence. It's completely new to them. There are some that will say, what's the big deal? We can define words and change definitions all we like. As long as the definitions are agreed upon, then it's fine. It's true that humanity can get rid of words and change definitions. We have the freedom of choice to do that. We don't, however, have the ability to get rid of words, add words, and change definitions without consequences. In fact, There could be very big negative consequences for doing this. Let's take the word violence as an example. Once you change the definition of the word violence to something else, the word then fails to properly describe an aspect of natural law responsible for creating and maintaining freedom. Understanding what violence really is in point-of-fact reality is critical to understand what kinds of actions are considered to be immoral under natural law that lead to chaos and slavery. Without first recognizing and understanding immoral action, out of ignorance, people will accidentally conduct violence against others and create the very worldly condition they said they were trying to prevent. If we were wise enough and we wanted to change the definition of the word violence, for whatever reason, then to preserve the understanding of the aspect of nature of violence, formally described, a new word would have to be created with the former definition the word violence once had. This isn't what happened though. See, the ancient psychologists and scientists I've been talking about, aka the dark occultists, as researcher Mark Passio calls them, purposely wanted to make the masses think the definition of violence was something else in order to maintain and expand their own power. They wanted the bulk of people to accept that it means using any sort of physical force to cause bodily harm. These dark occultists wanted to do this because then people wouldn't understand one half of the equation of natural law required to be understood in order to create and maintain freedom in the world. As long as the masses conceptually and through their actions can never bring about the condition of freedom and order, then these dark occultists can maintain and expand their power in a world dominated by slavery and chaos. This is why understanding the real definitions of words is so important. It's critical to understand the most subtle aspects of nature and the rules of manifestation that determine the worldly conditions we then have to live in. That's all I have for you today. My name is Justin Bauman. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this content if you find it valuable. Also, if you're listening to the show through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, please leave a review. It'll help get this information out to more people. Thanks for listening.